So Pastor Parsons is, gives me a great, great hope that occasionally I land on something that's anointed because there are some things I wanted to express to you all and I didn't know how. And uh, I spent about an hour, you know, when you've been preaching for 30 years, you can preach something. But I wanted, I wanted to know what the Lord, I wanted to know what the right attitude was to express. And uh, I landed on Psalm 100. And then he, and, and specifically Psalm 100, because the seven Psalms that come before it chronologically, not numerically, uh, pro- proclaim Yahweh's king. And when you've witnessed something that's divine, there, there should be a response to that. And that was Psalm 100, which is, I mean, exactly what, what Pastor Parsons stood up and said before worship. So I want to read this one more time, share something with you, and then I'm going to make Jennifer speak. She does not enjoy public speaking, but this is not really public speaking. This is our family. <laughs> Psalm 100 says, uh, a psalm for giving thanks. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his sheep and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. I'm not sure what all I need to share with you other than how thankful the Stevens are for you, for your partnership in the work. Uh, we are flawed, broken people. There's no argument with that. And we are amazed at what the grace of God has accomplished anyway. And it's because of our loyalty to one another. Your loyalty to the Lord will never be better expressed than loyalty to his body. And just to give you one fraction, like we could, we could do this all night, and there are pastors who have a good word to preach. Both when we were born again, uh, when we set aside our careers to go into ministry, uh, first time we sold our houses and all of our belongings to do something for the church, with each child that came along, there was always this nagging thing. Like, Lord, if we give everything towards the development of your people, what will happen with the development of our own little ones? No high school, no college, no career path, no funds for their future. All of the things that parents worry about. And then, when we started working on a more truncated time schedule. Like when I began to genuinely believe that this was the last year I'd be alive every year since about 2011. Lord, I won't even be there to see my daughter get married. And if I were there, how could I begin to provide a wedding for her? I don't have two pennies to rub together. Can y'all feel that for just a second? Um, 
And the faithfulness of the Lord through this body provided in a way that exceeded my wildest expectations. I got to watch my son and Pastor Massey pronounce uh, my daughter and her husband, Mr. and Mrs. Luke Ledesma. Got to see it in front of the only people in the world that I actually consider family. Got to do it in the largest wedding that this country hick has ever been to. And it so far exceeded anything that I could have asked for or imagined that I had uh, overwhelming gratitude well up in my heart and that acknowledgement between me and the Lord that all of the faithless moments were silly and that if I just trusted him, he would take care of it. And we all know that until it comes time to do it. But he did it. And so I wanted to say to you and to all of the other One Association churches that this fidelity unto life, loyalty unto death that we're experiencing together is the provision for everything that we need in the future. And it comes from the body. And we, we don't need wealth. We don't need secular education. We don't need our own career paths and well-defined ladders to climb. What we need is overwhelming trust in him. And then he will do more than you could have imagined. And he'll do it in spite of all of your flaws. In spite of all of the things, listen to me, one association, all the things you wished I had said differently. I agree with you. I wished I'd said them differently too. The thing is, is I said them the best way I knew how, and look what the Lord's done anyway. Yeah, God's good. Isn't he good? I wanted to say to you, thank you. For all of you that set up things in a reception and drove to other cities to get food we weren't supposed to have in the hotel and all of the things that you did that nobody but Jesus ever saw, all I can say is you're sowing into his provision for you and your children's future. But I, for one, am thankful for it. And I want you to know that. Uh, I don't do good showing the softer side. I'm supposed to be the general that leads. Actually, I stand in the back and you lead the charge now. But please don't mistake that for a moment for not being overwhelmingly joyful at what the Lord has done and he's done it through you and I am blessed beyond belief and I want you to know that we love you Eric pretty much covered so much of that for me I was just let me help for me <laughs> uh, I just I can't express anything more than what he's saying as well. I was so blessed. I was so overwhelmingly thankful for our church body. Um, I had someone ask, well, do you have special family coming in? And I kind of laughed. I'm like, they're all right here. Everyone's here. And it was just so beautiful and it was so sweet. And like he said, at every turn, someone was helping me, taking care of things, moving things, picking things up, you know, working so diligently, so selflessly. And it just completely blessed me and Abigail. That morning of the wedding, she and I both were just overwhelmed 
at what the Lord had done and done through all of y'all. And I just, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for doing all that you did and for loving us and loving Abby and Luke like y'all have. It was just, it's an exceptional testimony. I mean, it just, overwhelmingly, I could not have asked for anything more than what took place. And I just love y'all. I told you at the conference that we're like men who dreamed. Yeah. Uh, we're like men whose dreams are being fulfilled in our very present time. I just I want to pray for you. Turn the service back over to pastors that are better than me. And uh, if you didn't take anything else away from this, take away that we are joyful. We are full of gladness for you and for what the Lord was able to do through broken people who just stand up every day bleeding in their boots and try, okay? Uh, I want to admit to all of the One Association churches and all of you, we don't have all the answers. We lack all kind of things, but it's hard to deny that with a little bit of commitment and a whole lot of uh, tenacity, God will do amazing things through you if you just stay correctable. Amen. And what he did for my daughter this week surpassed anything I could have imagined. So, Father, I thank you for your people. They are the sheep of your pasture. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in the one association. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would get to experience the kind of overwhelming gratitude that swells in the heart of a broken, helpless man who sees his God do more for his offspring than he could have ever done through his very best efforts. Lord, may they all know that blessing. Make your face to shine upon them. Father, give them courage during those unforgiving minutes to continue to run after you, knowing that you will reward all who seek you earnestly and keep their commitments and vows before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, LCM. We're going to muster all our strength tonight. Tonight is October 26, 2023. And having all returned home, we are still gleaning from our One Association Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Look, didn't you guys have a feast on the abundance of fellowship? On teachings? The tangible unity that was there? And weren't you blessed to witness Vision established decades long ago, now coming to life, happening right before your very eyes. In fact, let's all turn to Psalm 118. We're going to pick up in verse 22. And it captures exactly what we are experiencing. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Amen. So yeah, when, when, uh, let's pause for a minute. When you're thinking about all that God has accomplished, let's just say this past year, and now culminating at our gathering together in Gatlinburg, can't you see the overwhelming evidence that his hand is upon us? That his favor is with us. That we can declare this scripture over what we're standing in right now. And that our eyes have seen marvelous things. 
So would you guys like some direction tonight? Tonight we're going to rejoice. Tonight we're going to lift up shouts of praise and hallelujah to our king. Look, I know that's a long drive back home. But man, that is a long time to contemplate the goodness of God and everything that he has accomplished. One of the things that I heard from you as we were speaking at the conference was how much that you were amazed at the actual unity that was in that place. Can, anybody, can somebody say amen to that? Amen. See, that, wasn't, that didn't just happen this week or this weekend alone. What God has been doing is he's been building something in our midst for decades that he has had in his heart since before time began. And we are getting to live and to walk in that right now. See, tonight, church, we're gathering as one. Somebody say, as one. as one, in the presence of the King of Kings, so that we can ensure that each of you, as the family of God, is thoroughly equipped to do the work of raising up future kings, future kings that are joined by royal brides, and as one, we can shout to heavens, long live our future kings. Say it with me, long live our future kings. Now, with this in mind, let us remind you of an important truth that all must grasp the reality of right here in this moment. You heard this several times, but we want to make sure that our family gets this. Did y'all do that on the way back? You're talking, you're, you're debriefing, you're going through it to make sure of what you actually got and what your family got. Well, we want to remind you of this truth. We are on the precipice of the greatest expansion of the gospel in the history of our communities. It is the highest honor and privilege that the Lord may allow you and me to participate in this. For that privilege, somebody shout out, hallelujah. hallelujah. Uh, say the word honor, honor and say the word privilege. Privilege. Didn't you sense that whenever you were there at the conference? Well, that's also exactly what you have the ability to participate in right now. An honor and a privilege. You realize that years have gone by and daily sacrifice, commitment, devotion that has led up to what we just experienced this past week. So therefore, from this day forward, it's always worth it for what the future holds. So let me make it something more tangible for myself to understand. If waiting 30 minutes for the next batch of chocolate chip cookies to come out of the oven is then met with a sweet reward. How much more delightful is it waiting 30 years to see the promises of God emerge from the fiery furnace of his refinement and set on a plate right before our eyes? That much more. Look, what you witnessed with the formation and imminent launch of the One Association Europe has been the skillful work of our Father over decades decades to prepare the men that are called, the land that they will expand into, and the establishment of heaven's plan on earth. In addition to this, you stood and had the honor and privilege of seeing local pastors ordained at King's Harvest Church. Come on! Oh, but wait, there's more! You had the honor and privilege to witness one association pastors ordained from Remnant Church. How about the overwhelming, say it, 
display of holy masculinity by none other than our own Andrew Hayes. I'm talking about that holy, sanctified, righteous, redeemed, spirit-filled Viking in our midst. Who, who proposed to the mighty woman of God known as Sarah Boyd. And last but not least, to mention that most glorious display of unity between churches as seen in the union of Luke and Abby Ledesma. Look, there were a numerous uh, occasions during that wedding where each of us were moved, that we participated in, and that we could stand back and see God's glory reflected on it from beginning to end. Just want to say as a, daughter, as a father of daughters, that, that one moment that just got me, it was that moment when Eric was dancing with Abby. Tears were flowing down all of our faces. And tears of joy and fulfillment. And you see the pure reflection of the Father's heart for each and every one of us. That he has labored and sacrificed his entire life to put us on a better footing and ensure that our future is secure. We could each share some of our favorite moments. I know one for me was watching the humility of Pastor Eric as he knelt before Luke. I'm not crying. You're crying. Can you feel me, Tisdale? Shedding a tear? Okay. <laughs> Guys, we want you to grasp, and we're just going gonna, gonna to take a bit of a victory lap tonight. We're just going to relax into this. We're going to enjoy what God has done. Any one of the things that we just mentioned, the launch of a One Association Europe that is imminent. We're talking like early spring of 2024. That's not very long. Just that would have been an incre incredible, amazing, noteworthy, like for the decades to come, noteworthy. And then a local ordination with Jeremy Pounds and Will Do. God, I love those men. Those are anointed men of God who are faithfully serving there at King's Harvest Church. Then you get local pastors who are ordained into the conference level at the national, at the one association level with our brothers there at Remnant then an engagement, then a wedding. You notice we haven't even talked about the sessions? We haven't talked about the fellowship? We haven't talked about the words? What an amazing time. Any one of those things would have been noteworthy and enough for us to give praise to God for the rest of our lives because of his goodness. So contemplate how much thanksgiving that, and gratefulness is due to him because he's doing all of those things now in our day. Church, that's amazing. Is gratitude welling up in your heart? That's one thing that I've been praying for personally. Lord, I am so grateful and I want to stay in an attitude of gratefulness for how good you are to us. We can move so quickly onto the next thing. We can be thinking about our tired bodies or tired spirits or tired brains or whatever it is. That should never be your focus. We get the privilege of focusing on God's steadfast love and his kindness to us in these moments. See, in addition to all of these amazing things, you stood and had the honor and privilege 
of seeing these men. And what we get to do now is join in as a body of believers. The body of believers in the one association has never been more unified and strengthened for the days that are ahead. It's been the daily efforts of each of you that have enabled, that have made each of the efforts that you've made that enables us to be in one spirit, to be one body. Somebody say one body that is building one kingdom. Say one kingdom. The idea of multiple churches is behind us. We are one body of Christ because of the one spirit, and we're building this one kingdom. I just want to tell you, church, unity is everything. To actually die to yourself enough to walk in perfect unity with somebody else is something that this church and this association is learning to do and is running in wholeheartedly. Unity that is founded on the full character of God and acting within it has and will continue to result in future promises being fulfilled. We want you to turn with us to 1 Chronicles chapter 12 tonight. Say unity as you're turning there. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 1. Now these are the men who came to David at Ziklag. While he could not move about freely because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. They were bowmen and could shoot arrows and sling stones with either the right or the left hand. They were Benjamites, Saul's kinsmen. So when looking at this passage, we see the quality, character, and capability of men that God has put in this body. Anointed, gifted supernaturally capable men. In fact, if you just begin to reflect back on one year ago, you'll begin to recall how many miraculous things God has done in your life in just 360 days. How many times his spirit has enabled you to do what you could not do in your own strength. Raise your hand if that's been you over the course of a year. Well, there's just so happened one guy that came to mind as we were thinking about this, and it's a little-known guy such as Spencer McLean. Do you guys remember last year's conference, Spencer? <laughs> Spencer, that anointed, handsome, studly man of God, leading worship, fellowshipping, pouring out his heart, sharing the word. He was a very eligible bachelor. Was. You know, he, he entered into that conference as one. Single. One. But God did a miracle, didn't he? Spencer McLean has now become a tribal encampment. One with a bride by his side and arrows that are overflowing his quiver. Soon they'll just be driving a minibus and get it over with. <laughs> It's on the way. <laughs> Spencer, that anointed righteous man that we saw last year is now one with Randy right by his side. That anointed and righteous easer that God has gifted him with. You know, this year was a shining moment for the McLean family in so many ways. And one I want to highlight is that bold tenacity in which Randy McLean rocketed out that prophecy in the middle of worship. That boldness is a direct reflection of becoming one with her husband. 
And Randy, we were all the better for it. The content that was given and the boldness at which it was. You can't leave out Mr. Jerry. We got family here with Mr. Jerry. Came from out of Egypt. I mean, out of Louisiana. Same difference, yeah. Been joined to this tribe that we have here. Let's look at verse 8 in 1 Chronicles 12. From the Gadites, there went over to David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty and experienced warriors, expert with shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and who were swift as gazelles upon the mountain. You know, it's kind of fun when you get to read a story after everything is concluded. We're, we're on this side of it. We get to talk about the McLeans and what a beautiful thing this is. This story here in Chronicles is giving you pictures of men as they are coming to David. And the end result is that these are mighty warriors. Can I tell you they all didn't start off that way? <laughs> Anybody feel like you've been here and you come to LCM and you're being made into the most mighty warrior possible? Because you are. You should say yes and amen to that. See, I think of men and families that we get to celebrate this kind of uh, development, anointing, power that is now working in their life. We could celebrate what God has done. When I look at Nick and Ana Rosales, you can see the power of God glowing. They are glowing with the very Spirit of God. How about now both serving as a team in the back in the sound booth tonight, Robert and Miranda Barnett. I was so blessed I had to use your full name, Rob. I had to just go all the way there. We got Juan and Graciela, who had a baby yesterday. Come on, man. Nariah, Elizabeth. Grimaldo, are you ready for this? You ready? Eight pounds, 10 ounces. Woo! 21 inches long. Somebody say, we got something to celebrate. Consider the spiritual growth in our own children. Consider... What God is doing inside of our households. I want to point out, I don't know if she's in here. AJ, is AJ in here? No, she's in the back. She's, she's, she's blessing other people and working together. AJ spoke at the youth conference. To let everyone else know what's possible for a nine-year-old. That was me questioning whether it was nine while I was saying it. A nine-year-old with the kind of parenting that this church promotes. It's not only because it's a pastoral family. It's not only because there's a team in their house. They are embodying, they're mastering the very parenting teachings that this church has produced, that the one association has produced. And what you're seeing is somebody that is changing the world already at nine years old. I just want to tell you that our parenting teaching, it really, really works. The parenting teaching of the One Association is something that is so valuable, it is changing our generations literally day by day. You know what is proof that our parenting teaching works? Well, yes, it is your children. And just so happened at this past conference, no one pulled a fire alarm. Yeah. Yes! Woo! We're gaining ground, y'all. Let's pick up in verse 14. These Gadites were officers of the army. 
The least was a match for a hundred men and the greatest for a thousand. But I'm thinking, thinking about these kind of men being added to David's company. I'm thinking about the kind of single men that are being added to our company. You know, it was last year's conference at Ubong. Made his first appearance. He was born again and spirit-filled in last year's conference. And look at the man of God that he is now. Look, and, and sitting the next row in front of him. Is that godly? Red-headed man, Damon, Sadita. You guys may not know this, but if you caught eye of the dance floor, the reception, Damon has some, some pretty good dance moves. It's it beautiful. was a wonderful display of just how a single man has got some skillful moves. Not to mention what we are standing in it's a compilation of single men who are righteous, who are holy, who love the word. I'm thinking of the Spites men. The Spites men. When they open up their mouths, words come out. And they actually connect with your heart and your mind. They leave you edified. We, have, we now have teams of single guys in our church. And our aim is that one day we won't have teams of single guys in our church consisting of those same guys. Haven't we all grown tremendously as a body, just teams interacting with each other and building unity throughout this whole church? See, you guys are a spectacular group of believers. Not only did you take seriously our preparation to go to the conference by getting your heart right, by having a heart, a word ready to share, but this is something that we have done day in and day out. And let me tell you, saints, it is worth it. It is worth every day of sacrifice, pouring our lives out, doing what is righteous in God's sight. Because look around you. You're surrounded by family that is a part of your life for the rest of your life. Look at verse 22. For from day to day, day after day, men came to David to help him until there was a great army like an army of God. Church, what you're seeing here in this day that you are living in, that you are participating in, are teams that are becoming ever more unified, that are churches that are becoming ever more intertwined. And we have the privilege and the honor, say those two words with me, the privilege and the honor to participate in a singular vision, in one vision that is currently taking aim at the Balkans, and it will reach to the Middle East and hit the target of Jerusalem. This is what you're living in. Speaking of pastor mentioning it, it's, it's like those who live in a dream. This is beyond, this is exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that I could have ever asked the Lord for. And here we are standing in the midst of it. And we're standing on the precipice of the greatest expansion that we've ever seen. This is such an exciting time. We wanted to, to remind you also tonight of the weapons of old. So that you can have a clearer view of what is actually preparing us to send us and our sons out to hit the target that God has. It's by mastering. Somebody say mastering. Mastering, mastering the weapons of old. You know, those tried and true things that actually work. What's the advantage of having a weapon of old? You know that it works. 
you can see that it has been tried and true. We're not going to talk about those who have been immature and want to always try to do something on their own because here at LCM, we are working to master the weapons of old. We are exalting the Word of God and its personal application in our lives that we've seen that work so faithfully. What about the O's and articles of the One Association? Did you guys catch that, how it is the Word of God and the oath is actually just our commitment to do what the Word of God says? Wow, what a glorious thing. What about Law Dog? If you haven't read Law Dog, or if you haven't read it recently, go onto Amazon, type in the word Law Dog, and buy one for yourself. Buy one for your friend. And do better than that. See, we are not talking about the weapons of old so you can check a box that say, I've done that. I read Law Dog. I, I know the oaths. Our team quotes them before we start every min- uh, a team meeting. Great. Each of these things that we're talking about is designed for you to master them. For you to engage with them, not just, well, I've been through the ministry training class. Congratulations. Are you doing anything that you learned there? Then you haven't mastered it. We're not talking about going through a discipleship training class. We're talking about you mastering the concepts, the principles that are derived from the scripture in the disciple training class. What about marriage training? Not just going through it, but mastering it. How about parent training? It works, I promise. How about singles training? Pastor, I just don't know how. Go through the singles training. Master the singles training. Ultimately, what we're talking about is us mastering the weapons of old. These are proven weapons. You have to master them. That's what carries us forward so that we can hit the target of what God has done. It's what got the church this far. All the things that we're celebrating, these are the very vehicle and tools that brought us here. It is what will bring you to the completion of what God has for you to do is through mastering these weapons of old. Having a heart and understanding of Liam and the nations. Not just being able to reference Exodus 15, 27, but have it down in your heart and mastering the concepts that were birthed from that all the way back in 2011. See, this is amazing, church. You've been given weapons. We've been given so many weapons, it's just on us to make sure that we're mastering it. And that's what we're going to do. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And these days ahead, we're not going to just allow us getting through a class, getting through a session to be what actually causes any type of, uh, of pride to come into our heart. We're going to work to master them and watch what God will continue to do in us together. Everyone start turning to Deuteronomy chapter 12. I'm going to pick up in verse 1. Before we read, as pastor is talking, we all want to leave an inheritance for our children. But it really is what kind of inheritance? The more that we master these weapons of old, the more that we are putting into the hands of our sons and daughters that which is eternal. The very thing that is worth being an inheritance. We want to hand what has developed us into the hands of our children so that it will develop 
the generations coming after them. In fact, we seek for them to become even greater masters of these weapons than we are. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 1. These are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. So look, in a very practical manner, a way you can sacrifice the present for the sake of the future is to devote yourself to the mastery of these weapons. This means re redefining exactly what your personal time looks like. Amen. Those 30-minute moments that you have throughout the day, that you can take advantage of by spending them on the mastery of these teachings and not on something just to be a mind-numbing comfort. Pouring into the use of these. That's why we have the, the types of notes that we do, writing them in our Bible, having them on one note. If ever you're looking for something and can't find it, just ask Pastor Nick Ergina. I promise you that brother has it locked away in one note. We'll be more than happy to share it with you. But more importantly, it is for the purpose of constant use, constant daily skill to put it into practice. Let's look at also verse 5. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Church, in addition to sacrificing by mastering the weapons of old, it's required that we focus on the vision and the target that is directly in front of us. We have three LCM and one association ordained pastors who sacrifice their all for your future. And we're allowing you the honor and the privilege that you sacrifice your all for their future as well. Financially sowing into their launch for early spring of 2024 and gleaning from them wisdom and understanding particularly how to imitate how they have sacrificed through devotion to become the families that they are. Don't you love Pastor Judah and his family? Yeah. Don't you love Pastor Nick and his family? Yeah. Don't you love Pastor Peyton and his family? Yeah. You do realize that these men, most of them, all three of them work more hours than the average person could ever hope to do in a week. And then they pastor the rest of us. Their faithfulness to what God has given them makes it our great honor and privilege to be able to sacrifice abundantly for the vision. We're going to include Pastor Massey in that because it is one team that is getting sent to, to Europe. It's our great honor and privilege to be able to sacrifice for our brothers. See, you know the scriptures that have helped form this church about Abraham in Genesis 23 when he paid more than full price for Machpelah. Not only a place for a burial, but actually the site of the resurrection for his family. He was investing in the resurrection itself. David in 1 Chronicles 21, that does not allow someone else to pay, to invest something, even the kindness of Aruna there, it was supposed to be David being willing and able to pay the full price so that God's house could be built. We're going to have the attitude in here of 2 Samuel 6 where David took six steps and then made another sacrifice and then another six steps and then another sacrifice. See, as you're giving, 
as you're giving in this house. You're such a generous group of people. We've watched you time and time again be generous. Look, we know, and you guys are faithful to giving your tithes, your very first fruits, and giving that as unto the Lord. Then you have the privilege of giving an offering into the Balkans. You can give exactly as you've always been able to give to the Balkans. You can go and you can have through Zelle or through some Chase Quick Pay. You can have giving at LCM, at giving at onelifechange.com, and you're able to select the Balkans and make sure that 100% of your offering is going to go directly to our brothers, including the Masseys that are joining with them in Italy. Somebody say that's a privilege. As you guys are praying, and we know that you heard this at the conference, as you guys are praying, as you're asking the Lord to show you what you can sacrifice, as you're praying and asking the Lord what you must sacrifice, trying to find the exact thing that God is requiring of you, your family. What can you sell? What can you do in addition to what you have? How can you give abundantly? This is an honor and a privilege for us to get to do this together. This is where we're setting our eyes. This is where we're setting our target. And one of the ways we get to master the weapons of old and we get to give sacrificially and financially and watch the kingdom of God expand in our day and our time, not wanting any praise for ourselves, but wanting to see the name of God expand out into the Balkan regions. Say honor and privilege. No, we stand as fathers of the target, us men in this house. And our aim is to send our sons and daughters to the soil of God's destiny for them. This means that we must make every effort to cultivate and prepare them within the relatively short amount of time that we have still left with them. This cultivation must be word and Israel-centric. Word and Israel-centric. Because the entirety of God's plan is based on these two truths. Turn to Psalm 78 for me. We're going to pick up in verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old. Things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. You know, for quite some time, many visitors have passed through this church and they've wondered, you know, what exactly are you guys? Now, I see the Hebrew writing on the front of the pulpit. And you talk about these Hebrew word studies. What are y'all? Plainly stated, we are Gentiles in love with a Jewish king. And what we are imparting into our children and look for that to extend to generations beyond is the right view of God and his people. 
to see that what we're investing is the truth of God's word, and that truth is incomplete if it does not include the nation of Israel, God's promises, and the certainty of what they will become. So here's, here's some practical aspects. As news of recent developments in Israel's war with Hamas comes to the surface and goes across the, the screen of whatever device you have, here's what you do. Begin to turn to passages that focuses on God's heart and promises for his people. Pray for the leaders of the nation of Israel. Pray for the people that make them up as a nation. Pray that they be strengthened through the fear of Yahweh God and be filled with a tenacious pursuit to defend their Abrahamic land grant. They are the apple of God's eye, and they are our aim to where our future kings will go and bring revival to. One of, the th one of the passages that we covered about this was in Psalm 83. It sets our attitude. Turn there with us to Psalm 83. We're just going to focus in on a couple of verses. But the entirety of Psalm 83 helped set our gaze and give us the confidence and the boldness in our prayers for Israel. Look at Psalm 83 and verse 14. As fire consumes the forest... Or a flame sets the mountain ablaze. So pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Don't get confused. This church is not going to get confused by the onslaught that has already begun that blames Israel for what's going on. We're not going to get confused by the overwhelming amount that is going on in the media and will only grow in the days ahead that Israel must stop, that, we should, that they should back down. What you see in Psalm 83 is the attitude that says, Lord, crush them. Lord, crush the enemies of your people. We have boldness here, and you are able to pray with a boldness because the Scripture and the very heart of God can direct you towards this. It shows you how you are to pray, and we have no other way that we're allowed to pray. See, God is faithful. He's faithful to defend his people and defeat their enemies. He's the God who is seated above all, and from his throne he rules all things. Therefore, what enemy is too strong for his might? What opposition is too great for his right hand? He is the God who saves, he heals, and he transforms. Not only is the Bible Israel centric it is israel dependent in everything that goes on and we're going to be people who stand with israel because we stand with their god aren't you glad that the word spells out clearly where we're to put our focus on that the transformation that occurs in our very lives is the same transformation that the nation of israel will experience so in view of the lives that god has transformed in this church I'm talking about marriages that his hand alone has formed and restored and all the children that he's ha added to our households. Why don't we all, with sword and shield in hand, give thanks to our king and lift up a shout of long live our future kings. Long live our future kings. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 47. We'll pick up in verse 1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome. The great king over all the earth. Yeah, he is. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. 
God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the the king of all the earth. Sing to him a song of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Saints, tonight we lift up our heads. We lift up our heads and we shout with shouts of joy to our God. We celebrate the works of his hand, the deliverance of his power, the number of miracles that still go on in our midst. But Pastor Eric said it earlier, we have a stage end to end of children, each and every one of them, miracles by the hand of our God. Some at their conception and some have many miracles that happen during their very lifetime. We're a church that is packed full with a testimony that we can hand off to our next generation. Saints, we want to tell you that you're the most committed, tenacious, and powerful group of believers that we know. You have wholeheartedly taken on this way of life. You are ever pressing on towards love and good deeds. You seek to let the scripture richly dwell within, and you know that we still have more work to do. Can somebody say amen to that? While we are in this body, our tasks are not complete. Our days are not done. While we still have the breath of life in our lungs and the supernatural strength of God in our frame, we will use every ounce of what God has given us to raise up men and women of higher Holy Ghost caliber than ourselves. We're going to ensure that the children in our feet and those yet to be born have the ability to master the weapons of old that we currently hold in our hands. Turn with us to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 25. Somebody say there when you get there. Revelation 2, 25. Only hold fast what you have until I come. Isn't that an amazing testimony for us here in this house? You are not lacking anything. There's nothing that you lack, but hold on to what you have until he comes. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end. I have to be honest with you. If I tried to quote this, there are some times when I quote it as the one who conquers and who keeps my words to the end. I think that's, that's a good thought, but what this scripture says are those who keep my works until the end. The works that are driven by the very word of God. It's not just enough that we know the word. We are going to be driven and we are going to keep his works until the end. To him, to the one who does that, I give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron and when earth, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my father. Church, you've been given more than we can enumerate to you in a single evening, more than in a single month, more than in a single year. What God has given to this group of people is something special. Can somebody say amen to that? What you've been given is something that is of divine origin. And he's giving us the authority 
the privilege, the honor to be able to serve humbly, to be able to join together with those around us and get the work done that he has intended for us to do. There's not many that can say that, but you are in a precious select number of people, and you're going to raise other people to do exactly the same as you, starting with your own families and building teams together that will accomplish the work that we might keep his works all the way until the end. Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Say unity as you turn. Unity. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. You want to know what we aim at, what we sacrifice for? Is to have a work that we can all stand and confidently say before our king that we finished it. That he put within our hands, we did our part. We handed it to the next generation with even better tools, better weapons of old. And together, as generational believers, we finish God's work. What we get to participate in each year, what we have so far in the conference, is that we get to stand back and see the work that is progressing. And that work that is progressing is hope that the work is going to get finished. In light of what we have to do, what we must do right now, we're going to receive from, the, from, from what we had in the, in the conference a slide that you're familiar with. Somebody can put that slide up. You remember we covered this from 2 Kings 11. And these are actions that we can and that we must do now. We're going to start by being guards that stand with weapons in their hand. LCM, I want to say that you are men armed with the spirit and the word and you stand guard, and you watch over your house with them. We're going to put the crown on them. Church, you are seeing what others can become. You are seeing what faithfulness, what loyalty, what diligence is, and what, it, what others can become as they also walk in this. Focusing on the crown designed for them, and that they will grow into, instead of the youthfulness of what is not yet developed in them. We're able to see beyond someone's current limitations and be able to place a crown of vision, of encouragement, and of righteousness from the Lord himself around the, on the brothers around us. Saints, do you joyfully accept that? Yes. Do you joyfully accept it? Yes. Number three, you will give them the ark of the testimony that you have learned to carry in this church, imparting into them the word and the moving of the spirit that you yourself have received. You will proclaim them kings in all of your speech, speaking to their future and declaring what they are becoming. Do this publicly and in full measures of faith. You will anoint them, smearing them with supernatural empowerment. Do this through the ministry of the word and through opportunities for them to minister with you on every occasion. Church, you will clap your hands with heavenly weapons in your hands. Come on. Man, think about the sound of those claps as you have weapons in your hands.
that rallying cry of the spear hitting the shield, of the sword hitting against that shield. Our future kings need to see us rejoicing with the ancient weaponry that is being used to guard and protect them. They're going to see your example, and they're going to long to possess the same weapons that you have so joyously used. And number seven, the last one, long live the king. Long live the king! You will declare that their calling is alive while being developed. And when the day of ordination or the implementation of a step in their calling comes, rally everybody you know around them and shout, Long live our future kings! We want to conclude, as Pastor Judah makes his way here, that we are on the precipice of the greatest expansion of the gospel in the history of our communities. It is the highest honor and privilege that the Lord may allow us to participate in. Saying somebody say thank you, pastors. Am I the only one after seeing so many supernatural events, early mornings and late evenings, events can kind of blur together? These gentlemen just walked us back through some of the most pivotal moments of our time in Tennessee together in the way in which it moved every single one of us. Can I say we have reason for celebration and confidence? Sometimes when you close a sermon after worship, it has a way of feeling somber and disconnected from what was spoken. The reason I came up here now is I want to share what's on my heart and mind with you this moment so that we can stand up and do nothing but worship together in total unity and celebrate what God has done. And we'll end whenever the worship team decides that we're done and we will walk out in joy together. Amen. Saints, during worship, there were several words and things that were moving inside of the pastor's hearts. One of them was that God was aiming us like a bow. Can you feel the increase of clarity in how God is aiming not only this congregation, but our collective congregation, one church, at a target together? Since that's an unparalleled kind of gift from Adonai. He does nothing without revealing his will, his servants, the prophets. That means he's bringing us in on his heavenly counsel. There's a kind of rattling going on in the quiver. I think Peyton described it as being stirred. Nick described it as the sheep being scattered, but you standing up like a beacon. Can I tell you that this house is filled with arrows? I'm looking at men eye to eye right now that are going to change the nations where you go. What is happening right now is the first few firings of something. You're seeing Pastor Nick, Pastor Peyton, and I with our families joining with the Masseys moving somewhere. But there is a quiver that is being stirred. God is creating an excitement because there are family after family. We will sow a hundred families into this region, and he is moving you. Look, these are the days that we raise up our replacements. You're hearing them go back through these seven principles. God is creating a kind of excitement, a tension. It's a little bit like before you step out on a field or a cage door closes and we're in the fight because this is what you were born for. You were made for these days. 
You are an arrow that God has been crafting to fire into the heart of the enemy, and he's causing you to rattle against one another. Well, that means that for this house to continue, for the generations after us to become all that it are, we got to go out and find our future kings. Man, what a day it will be that is so glorious, sweet, and a great loss when Ubong is no longer with us. But that man has a pastoral calling and a destiny, and God is honing it, he's shaping it. That means we got to go find more like you, brother. Look, we're going to keep this brief, so I'm going to tell you that we're going to Isaiah 49. Feel free to turn there, and once you get your finger in your Bible, hang out for a second. Somebody say there when you're there. Some time ago at an Austin retreat where your pastors and elders came together to pray for a little while about each of your names, about the direction of the churches, there was a word that came forth that has been proving true. It was about a scale that one of the brothers could see that had darkness, weight, and gloom on one side. That as it increased in its heaviness, as it increased upon this nation as well as the world at large, something else was happening, like a teeter-totter. The weight of gloom and unrighteousness caused the righteousness and the brightness and the power of the gospel to rise at the same time. Thanks. That was almost three years ago. As we stand here today, knowing that we had that word prior to today's events, there is war in Israel. There is war in Eastern Europe. Taiwan is in jeopardy. We are standing here on the edge of a nation, and I mean the United States, that very well could be in civil war in such a short time frame. Look, if LCM was not already on a terrorist watch list, it will be after these statements. <laughs> January 6th was a hoax and a lie, but it might become a reality if we have another false election. You're standing on days that are more critical than we imagined. We go about our coffee and we forget the extent to which darkness is spreading over the earth. We are in days of national uncertainty. But we're also standing in uncertainty on the face of the earth. I mean, national borders are poised to change and they are changing in current conflicts. In each of the areas of the world that we seek to sow sons into. We very well may be on the edge of a financial depression that would rival the time of our grandfathers or great-grandfathers as this continues to play itself out. We currently have the most incompetent president in American history at the helm for each of these warfares in uncertain times. But remember the scale. I've been here from the beginning of LCM and I can see at the same time that darkness is spreading over the earth, I have never seen such a great discipline as what exists in this house right now. Amen. I have never seen God expand our vision into his plan to the extent that he has right now. There is a greater unity between the churches and between the families here than we have ever seen in our history. We're looking at greater expansion in one move than we have ever made in our history. Saints, you've had a faith that has been proven genuine as refined in the fire, 
And it has never shown more brightly than it does right now with the families that are before my eyes. There's a greater potential to affect the world with the men and women that are in this room than we have ever had. We started in a garage with a few disciples. What I see before me today is a host of men and women that would not only give their life, they would give their life over decades in endurance to see the gospel reach Jerusalem. Saints, to put it simply, as darkness is spread over the earth, there is a greater commitment to God's will, God's ways, and God's purposes than I have ever seen. Saints, as things continue to get darker, and hear me, they will. That means that we are going to experience greater and greater progress in the gospel. I'm not going to read it, but Ephesians 2.10 says clearly that you were created in Christ to do good works. Well, saints, behold, we all have a part to play in this, and we are playing it. Don't shy away from the adversity that is ahead, the sacrifice that is ahead. You were made for this, Paul Rosales. And my God, the day that you're no longer standing in this house, the time that we have, brother, we must raise up more who are like you. The quiver is beginning to rattle. We've seen a few shots fired, but we will sow family after family, and the culture of this house must raise up those who are coming after us. We need Assad Maleks, a Lion King. We need men who will stand their ground. So as we engage in Isaiah 49, we're going to let this sharpen our focus. We're going to remind ourselves of the ultimate purpose of this bow and we, in a unison with the scripture and the declarations of old, are going to declare what will happen. Isaiah 49, 2-3 says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. Saints, this is a prophetic message, but it's also Isaiah speaking. Was Isaiah hidden forever? Or did he stand and prophesy before the world? Look, I'm telling you, God is raising up arrows in this house, and the quiver belongs to him. It's time for him to begin to rattle like an archer who's running to take his place and begin firing. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Saints, the servant of God is his people Israel. Everything that we are doing, the ultimate aim is driving towards Israel and specifically Jerusalem. I want to encourage you during these days, begin to pick up a prayer life that doesn't end when this war is over. Pray for his servant, Israel. If you spend your time praying for his nation to receive salvation, I promise every other nation that you're concerned about will receive it. Because the way that Israel will receive salvation is through Muslims turning back and praising a Jewish God. Our God is entrusted with us. The battle plans that will bring about the exaltation of his servant, even in these most pressing times. Verse 12 of Isaiah 49 says, Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of a swan. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. 
Saints, you are the answer to the affliction that currently exists. The way in which his people will be comforted is when men and women stand up and are bringing the gospel back to Jerusalem. When they are carrying Jewish men and women, Jewish children on their shoulders back to the place that it started. Verse 14, though. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Saints, can you understand how that kind of question can be asked by men who are not as close to Adonai as they should be during these kind of dark days? Can you understand how it happens? With that in mind, bear in mind that every bit of what is coming is both Adonai's commitment and is his answer to the feeling of having been forgotten by God that is existent in Zion. Can a woman forget her nursing child? that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather, they come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride. Saints, rather than reading it to you, I'm just going to tell you that verses 22 and 23 are all about the answer to the feeling of having been forgotten. It's a day when Gentile kings will stand up and carry those sons and daughters back to their home. And I tell you that the king of kings is not just looking to pagan Gentile rulers to accomplish this. He's looking to the kings that we raise up. We are the answer to the feeling of Zion having been forgotten and a world who's standing around saying, God's promises have passed. We say never. Even if a mother forgets her child, he will never forget them. They're engraved on the palms of his hands. Saints, what I'm telling you is that we are in the days when men must raise up, must rise up like Ittai. Men must recognize that we are standing in a greater battle than ourselves. It is greater than our present circumstances. We are the answer that will speak into the darkness and say, our God lives and he is the God of Israel. Verse 24 and 25 say, can the prey be taken from the mighty, or the captives of a tyrant be rescued. For thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken. In the prey of the tyrant, be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. Saints, we will reverse the road from Rome to Jerusalem. In these days when the world is forgetting it, we are those who stand up in the darkness and said that he will rescue the captives. He will rescue them in the end of the age in an ultimate sense, but he will also rescue those who are physically taken captive now. So as we begin to stand to our feet, we're going to pray. We're going to worship. And we're going to stand as men who recognize that we are the arrows of God. You are the answer to the world's problems. 
And we're going to begin to declare that nations that are held in darkness between us in Jerusalem, well, we're going to take them by storm. We'll take the war-torn areas. Let it spread from Ukraine to the rest of Eastern Europe. Let war break out in the Middle East. Let national boundaries break down. Let our country fall in darkness. We will stand and say, yes, the captives will be taken from the fears. Because we are the sons of God and we stand with that Jewish king of Israel. Mighty one, I thank you for the soldiers that are in this room. I thank you for the arrows that you are rallying, that you are causing to sharpen. Lord, during these days of seeing how much you have done as the world is getting darker, Lord, we say, bring it on. Let it get darker and again we will shine brighter as you work through our weakness. Lord, you are the extraordinary God who works through fallible, broken men and brought supernatural victories to your people. We say, save your people, Israel, and let it be carried on our shoulders. We declare now in the name of Jesus that your victory will reign in this house. Hallelujah!